Welcome to this week's edition of the St. Paul Podcast. I'm Peter Marty, Senior Pastor of St. Paul Lutheran Church, located in the heart of Davenport, Iowa. Right here each week, you can hear a message to inspire your walk with God and hear beautiful music to fill your life. Let this podcast be your occasion to contemplate some of the deepest things in life, just as I hope it helps faith come alive for you. time is that you opened a Bible to the book of Isaiah. Maybe even the name of that book and the name of that prophet, Isaiah, is completely foreign to you. In any event, the passage I'm about to read from Isaiah has this as its backdrop. The people of Israel, or the Hebrew people as they're sometimes referred to, they are returning from captivity in Babylon. They were in exile there, having thoroughly disappointed God for generations preceding their exile. And now, on their way home to the Promised Land or Jerusalem, they're sapped of strength. They are beaten back, deflated, if you will, feeling tired and weary, most certainly unsure of their future. They're vulnerable people. 
So here I'm going to read from the 40th chapter of Isaiah, beginning at the 27th verse. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. This Lord does not faint or grow weary, but has understanding that is unsearchable. This Lord gives power to the faint and strength to the powerless. Even youths will faint and be weary, and the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Now, take a listen to some thoughts about that word from Isaiah that I want to share with you in light of your life. There comes a time. You've heard that phrase before, I'm sure. There comes a time in everybody's life when we need to ask for help, when you're lost and just not strong enough to make it through the night. For those of you that know any of the music of Celine Dion, that's one of her songs. There comes a time. There comes a time in a free society like the one we live in when the truth must be told, especially when conspiracy theories and disinformation are becoming ever more normalized with each year. There comes a time, a woman told me just four days ago in the hospital, when she said, I have to make a decision about prolonging my husband's suffering. He has been in decline in his hospital bed for weeks. The doctors are out of treatment options, and they have no realistic hope for any healing from him. There comes a time, she said, to call in hospice, and today is my day to do so. There comes a time in the life of all of us, I would say, where we need to quit driving. And my signature example in this regard happens to be a woman named Betty Tudor of Exeter, England, who enrolled in, catch this, 273 separate driver's ed lessons over the course of 19 years. She ran through nine instructors in that time. She was banned from three driving schools, and she failed each of the seven behind-the-wheel tests that she had. On the seventh try and failure, she finally decided to sell her car. That seventh failure ended when she drove the wrong way around a roundabout, and when the examiner screamed at her from the passenger seat, she told him, well, if it hadn't been for the cars coming in the opposite direction and honking and such, he wouldn't have even noticed anything was wrong. There comes a time when any number of you who have as one of your identities, or who have a family member whose identity may be connected with one of those letters, L-G-B-T-Q. There comes a time when you just want to bow your head in exhaustion for the disregard and the discrimination and the disrespect of those who insist on seeing you or your loved one as a second-class human being. There comes a time, a 27-year-old preacher by the name of Martin Luther King, 
who packed Holt Street Baptist Church in Montgomery four days after the arrest and jailing of Rosa Parks. There comes a time, said Martin Luther King Jr., when people get tired of being trampled over by the iron feet of oppression. There comes a time when people get tired of being plunged across the abyss of humiliation, where they experience the bleakness of nagging despair. There comes a time when people get tired of being pushed out of the glittering sunlight of life's July and left standing amid the piercing chill of an alpine November. My word to you today is a question. Are you tired? Are you tired of something or someone? Are you running low on energy? Are you tired from the joints in your body that hurt more than you wish? Or from a few friends who have burnt the edges of your soul a few too many times? Are you tired of work that doesn't stir you like it once did? Or of co-workers who don't seem to give you the basic level of respect? Are you exhausted from trying to solve someone else's problems, mostly unsuccessfully? Or are you weary from giving your all to a cause that's finally worn you down? Maybe you feel like a damaged good because of some event in your life, some experience in your life, maybe a divorce in your life. And you feel like a damaged good, like that crushed cereal box or that dented can of beans that's in the basket near the checkout counter at the supermarket marked damaged goods, cheap, damaged goods that no one seems to buy. Are you tired of having to repeat simple requests to your child your teenager, perhaps, always trying your best not to lose your calm. Are you by chance weary from having to pretend you're somebody you're not? Or tired of faking your way through a range of uncomfortable topics? Well, if you are the least bit tired from any such things as these, the prophet Isaiah has a word for you. And it's the same word he has for those ancient Hebrew people who were spent, who were depleted, whose exile had not been easy. People who were feeling powerless and humiliated and vulnerable at best. By the way, the word of Isaiah gets magnified and accentuated in the New Testament. We probably ought to remember that we live in a world that's full of people who feel the need to be strong in order not to appear weak. And I say this because there's a whole lot of people who are ashamed and nervous about appearing the least bit weak or the least bit dependent or the least bit vulnerable. So often we try to hide our shame and our weakness so that we might be able to project strength. That's what we do. We live in a culture that believes we are transformed by power. When in reality, faith reminds you and me that we're transformed actually by weakness. And I often sit back and think, what's this obsession of ours with power that just seems so universal in the human condition? Have you noticed all of the energy we sometimes expend thinking about 
Who is the most powerful person in America? Is it Elon Musk, we wonder, with his extravagant, outsized wealth, his fickle behavior, and his empire of satellites? Is it Mark Zuckerberg, the CEO of Meta, who controls more information than anybody in the world? He's in every household of every country in this world, practically. Is the most powerful person in America Donald Trump, whose fame and celebrity status and resources and fanatical fan base constantly place him in the news? Is it Taylor Swift, who has more followers than anybody, but who we've discovered only this year is learning the game of football? Why is it that we're not thinking more about who's the most vulnerable in America? Who are the weakest people, the most defenseless people, the most powerless people? Who is it that's tired of being trampled over by the iron feet of oppression? Or who's tired of being plunged across the abyss of humiliation where they experience the bleakness of nagging despair? We're so hung up with power that we don't even know what to do when we find ourselves tired exhausted, depleted, sapped of strength, helpless. We forget that we're Jesus' people. And if the truth be told, Jesus doesn't give a fig about worldly power or about imposing his will on others or about vanquishing enemies. Jesus doesn't show contempt for those who are weak, those who are vulnerable, or those who are dubbed by some to be losers. Look at Paul, the Apostle Paul. He's the one I go to when I want to make sense of this weakness thing, he puts it all out there. He's drained. He's worn out. The man walked 10,000 miles around the Mediterranean spreading the word of the gospel. But we know he's plagued. He's plagued by some weakness. It could be a bodily uh, injury or dysfunction. It could be an identity thing. It could be something in his emotional spirits. But he boasts of his weakness for one reason alone. He said, because it opens me to the power of Christ dwelling within me. He goes on to write to some Christians in Corinth that the Lord's grace is plenty sufficient. And then that most famous phrase of his, when I am weak, that is precisely in the Lord when I am strong. Now, this inversion of power and weakness, of strength and vulnerability, it's really hard to wrap our heads around. And we may spend, and you may spend the rest of your life trying to do just that. But my guess is that if you search long and hard through your life experiences, my guess is that you have been to a place, or if not, you're going to be someday, a place where you have felt so depleted, so uncertain of hope, so spent and tired, so discouraged, that from that powerless vantage point, a humility came upon you and a new way of looking at life arose within you. And you ended up growing through your adversity, not shrinking from it. You discover in your life or in your relationships or in your work or in your marriage or wherever that when you are weak, that is precisely when you are strong, when you've got an edge up. I know this is really strange. It's hard to wrap our mind around, but it's just oh so very true. We think that when we see 
strength and weakness that we have to plug in the word versus between them. They're against each other. They're opposed to each other. But think about the inversion this way. that When I'm weak, that's precisely when I'm strong. Think of it through the eyes and life of the late Soviet dissident, Alexander Solzhenitsyn. He was not a Christian. As you may know, he uh, spent upwards of eight years in the gulag, the dreadful labor camps of, of uh, mid-20th century Russia. And it's there in the gulag that he learned that when he was at his weakest, that is when he had his greatest strength. Whenever he tried to maintain a measure of power over his own life while in prison, by acquiring some food, which was so desperately needed, or some warm clothing for the Russian winters, he was at the mercy of his captors every time he sought to maintain that power. But when he accepted and even embraced his own vulnerability, his jailers had no power over him. It's a bit like what you see when someone of note in jail or prison goes on a hunger strike and suddenly they have incredible power in spite of the total weakness and defenselessness of their body. Well, in a sense, Solzhenitsyn had become powerful and his captors or jailers had become the powerless. Isaiah says, The Lord does not faint or grow weary, but in fact gives power to the faint and strength to the powerless. You know, there's a startling image later in the book of Isaiah that I want you to know about. God is depicted, catch this, as a woman in labor. Yes, it's a wonderfully feminine and maternal image, and I think it puts strength and vulnerability together in the same sentence like we so struggle to do, always want to stick that word versus in there, strength versus vulnerability. But the point of this metaphor of God being a woman in labor is not just that God is vulnerable, which is very startling, by the way, uh, which is <laughs> what every birthing moment experience is, vulnerability, but it's also that God is strong at the same time. So picture the strength of a woman in labor. It's not your traditional definition of strength. You're not in charge when you're in labor. You're not independent at all. In fact, you're very dependent on others. You're not strong because you can deny pain. You're not strong because there's no you have no business crying. You're certainly not strong because you're, you're in the midst of something very dignified. No, the strength of a woman in labor is about endurance. It's about receiving help and support. It's about being open to pain and risk for the sake of new life. This is the God whom you want when you are tired from some struggle in your life or when you're tired, frankly, of yourself. A God who is both strong and vulnerable. Powerful, but as we know from the cross of Jesus Christ, well acquainted with powerlessness. When you cannot take any more of the tireds, when you're tired of pretending or being beaten down, when you're weary from missing the mark by hurting other people in your life or by offending God on a regular basis, the word from Isaiah is that God is not tired of you. When your tank is running on empty in life and depleted is your middle name, 
God is anything but tired of you. There comes a time, you know, when you and I have to reckon with the weakness in our lives and maybe being tired as hell at the same time. But like the Apostle Paul, in that vulnerability, you have to want to open up to the Spirit of the Lord dwelling in you. And when you come to that point in your weariness, you can mount up with wings like an eagle because you will have the wind of the Holy Spirit carrying you, swooping and diving and soaring, almost as if you could fly forever. You may be tired in any number of ways, beset even by a sense of deep, deep helplessness. But do not miss this good news, that God is not tired of you, and God is not tired of your struggles either. Amen.
I would invite you to pray with me as we say together, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Now may the Lord bless you on your journey, comfort you in your struggles, and be your strength in weary times. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast and thanks for your support of the ministries of St. Paul Lutheran Church. Our commitment to projects that lend hope to other people stretches across the country and around the world. We hope that in a good way you feel a part of that reach. Tune in next Thursday for another edition of the St. Paul Podcast.